Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of the Big J and Little J Show. I am Jordan, and with me, as always, is Connor O'Neill from Rivals. Connor, how was your weekend? Uh, you know, a decent weekend. Like, you know, got uh, got home from Duke and got the first two drives uh, of the Wake game started on the film review. And anytime you can start the film review on a Saturday, kind of, I'm I'm finding out with with doing the the juggling that I'm trying to do here. Uh, it's all about planning and it's all about getting ahead and staying ahead. If I fall behind, I'm gonna feel like I'm in quicksand and never able to get out. So, you know, this this desk is wood, so this is me knocking, and I'm at least feeling. Yeah, I got the dog fired up about that one. Uh, I'm at least feeling like I'm uh, keeping up and and staying afloat so far. Yeah, I mean, we'll go into your recap or your film review right now, basically. Just a little <laughs> quick recap, though. Uh, Wake Forest was up 20-5 to five at half. Liberty had that block punt in the end zone that rolled out of bounds. And then in the third quarter, Liberty outscored Wake Forest 15-0. And then Wake held on to a one-point victory. Uh, Liberty went for two there and looked like it was a – pass option but the receiver didn't want to throw it and i think it was a bastardized philly special yeah that's what it looks like that quarterback leaks out of the backfield yeah and he looked like he had a receiver come up in in the middle of the end zone like coming to him and he just wanted to tuck and run and never stood a chance i saw a screenshot of that and i saw somebody I, i can't take full credit for this but i saw somebody point out that like yeah the receiver looks open from the camera angle and to everybody in the stands he probably looked open but the receiver running, like, number one, you're telling a receiver to throw that. And number two, it looked like there were two or three Wake defenders that have been, like, in his line of sight to where that receiver was. So maybe he just didn't see him. I'm not trying to make excuses for the kid. I'm just saying, like, how it plays out on the field is not always how it looks to people watching, you know, me uh, watching the play and then rewinding about – 15 to 20 times to see every possible angle and every possible option on the play. So, well, I can say as a Duke fan, you never want a position player besides a quarterback throwing the ball around the goal line. So, <laughs> maybe if that guy was open, I still wouldn't have probably trusted a throw from a wide receiver or say a running back from the one yard line. Is this where uh, Chester at says hi? Yep. Yep. Poor Deion Jackson. I'll never blame him for that. <laughs> never blame him. But, uh, yeah, before we get into the biggest game of the year with Wake and Clemson, let's dive into your recap, your film review. What did you see? Because you were at the Duke game. For people that don't know, you were at Duke, so you watched Duke and A&T, so you didn't see any of the Wake game until you got home. And did Actually, I, I kind of um, – because they were staggered starts. You know, the Wake game started an hour earlier. Um, we were sitting in the press box having, a, having the pregame meal with media, and they had – the Duke press box setup is really nice. They have like four or five TVs that they put on where we eat uh, and they're all on different games. So I was able to see a good chunk of the first quarter. I might even watch into the second quarter. Um, and then, you know, the Duke game got out of hand pretty quickly. So I was able to keep track. I had my iPad with uh, my iPad basically is used as a stat monitor throughout games. So I pulled up stat broadcast. One of the tabs was on Duke. One of the tabs was on Wake. Um, 
to just give a little background, I have stringers that help me cover both teams, but my stringers live in Winston-Salem and it's kind of irresponsible for me to ask them, Hey, can you cover a football game for me? And by the way, drive three hours round trip um, when they can just cover a game that's within 30 minutes of their house. So that was the, that was the reasoning there. Um, yeah. The phone review, I mean, it was, uh, I wrote it in there. It's, it's 20 to five and you just get the feeling that no wake was not perfect to that point, but wake had done enough things well to say, man, they're going to take a two touchdown lead in halftime here. They're in good shape. And I think, you know, in hindsight, it's so much easier in hindsight to, to kind of round everything up, but, after the game and and this week still we've got wake players telling us that their practices were really lackadaisical last week really just poor preparation across the board um and so you look at you take that into account and you take into account that they didn't play that well and they were up 20 to 5 20 to 8 i think was a halftime score or 20 to 5 at one point um and they see that, it, you know, players know they didn't play well and they're still up two touchdowns. I'm sure there was a feeling, uh, no matter how much the staff tried to guard against it, of we're going to come out and just continue to dominate this team in the second half. And that script got flipped real quick. I mean, just everything in the first five or six minutes of the third quarter. I'm a, I'm a big Murphy's Law guy. For those that don't know, that's anything that can go wrong will go wrong anything that could go wrong in the first five or six minutes of the third quarter did go wrong. Like, you know, Wake goes three and out. Uh, Liberty, this was really interesting. I broke this down in the film review. Liberty throughout the whole first half uh, was sending their running back, motioning their running back out of the backfield and watching Wake's middle linebacker, Ryan Smenda, follow him. And they, were, they weren't sending him to the slot. They were sending him all the way to the sideline, basically putting him on the sideline. And Smenda was going all the way out there with him. So Liberty's first possession of the third quarter, they do that. Both safeties are outside the hash. And the the middle of Wake's defense is just basically four defensive linemen. That's you call a quarterback draw, and your quarterback is a dynamic runner like Caden Salter is. He makes one cut and he's gone. There's nobody in front of him other than other than green turf. So that's just, you know, you can say what you want about Hugh Freeze as a person. Like we know that his morals are questionable at best, but the man can coach some offense and the man can call an offensive game. And that was to to watch that, to watch it play out uh, throughout the first half with all the motions, and you're wondering like what are what are they doing here? What are they setting up? To see it, what was set up, um, you know, it was that draws some respect, that draws some you know admiration of, man, that's a that's a really simple concept. Like if I can pick it up, it's pretty simple. And it just, it worked to perfection. Um, and then the other one, both, both of the touchdowns in the third quarter were strangely enough, 43 yard runs up the middle. Uh, the second one, day day Hunter just gets through a hole. Like wake has a run front wake has both safeties within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. They've got a loaded box. They've got three linebackers on the field, which, you know, we haven't seen much of Wake do at all this year. And Dede Hunter just cracks it up the middle on him, and all of a sudden Wake is down 23-20. Um, so, 
it was a game where Wake had to had to dig deep. Like Dave Clawson told us on Tuesday, um, you know, <laughs> uh, they won the game, and he kind of had to reassure the team on Sunday that hey, we won. Like the mood in the team room was terrible. The mood was that they lost the game, and it's hard to win college football games, even when you're going up against a group of five team, even when you're you know leading two touchdowns and think that you've got them handled uh so he really had to reassure him of hey you know we we won this game let's not act all depressed because we only lost by one or we only won by one um it's it's a it's a lot different of a game outcome than I thought we were headed for I thought Wake would kind of easily cover that 17 or 18 whatever it wound up being spread and I mean they're they're a two-point conversion and a failed two-minute drive or a missed field goal away from being two and one at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was surprised and kudos to Liberty uh, with the good, great second-half adjustments. I mean, five or eight points, whatever it was at halftime, and then to score 30 in the second half, I mean, really popped Wake Forest in the mouth. And Wake Forest did have trouble, like you said, like the coaching game plan was very smart, spreading out Wake. So then their best playmaker had the numbers advantage. And Wake had trouble stopping the run, 172 yards. And uh, QB also had 256 through the air and two touchdowns. He threw two picks and a couple big t- like back-breaking interceptions. I mean, he was the X factor that we talked about. And he just – he made some big-time plays. Like Clawson said, like, hey, guys, we did win this game. Like, I understand a disappointing win, though, from, like, a player's perspective. I I had a couple of those in college myself. And it's a weird it's a weird feeling because you win, but you know film the next day or whenever film's coming around is going to be – you would have rather lost because it's an ugly win, which I, I know that doesn't make sense. But in terms of, like, what you're thinking, you're like, God – we won. We should have blown them out and film this week is going to be miserable. I pointed it out like it, it was it was kind of jarring to hear the admission from Clawson that he had to reassure them that they won and kind of it's it's confidence inflation. And, I, you know, this is my sixth season on on the wake beat. Uh, I don't ever remember Clawson telling us, yeah, he had to reassure them that a win was still a win that you know it's it's hard to win in college football um you know with with if you're a wake fan you can draw on the fact that you know look at where your program is now compared to where your program has been um not just like maybe for the younger fans not you know not in your lifetime but like wake's football program in the 80s uh wake's football program in the 90s under jim caldwell jim caldwell's a great nfl coach but he was not a good college coach at wake um, some of the Jim Grobe years, both at the beginning and at the end, were not spectacular. Dave Clawson started three and nine in his first two years. So for you to win a game and feel that kind of way, it shows some program growth. Like, there's no doubt about that. Uh, it's no longer the Wake Forest that has to feel good about itself because it only lost to Clemson or Florida State by less than 30. But yeah, man, it, it's the first time, you know, this was Dave Clawson's 102nd game at Wake Forest. I have not covered all of them, but this was the first time I've ever remembered seeing him and hearing him talk about needing to to basically reaffirm to the guys that they won the they won the game. Like that's 
at the end of the day, you went one and up. Uh, that's their whole thing is go one and oh each week. And they did. And they were still walking around like they had spilt their milk. Yeah. And I mean, they still are averaging 42 points a game through the first three games of the season. And that is what we're going to talk about right now with the concerns of the running game. That is the one black eye on this team right now is they just cannot run the ball. And the stats that I have for you is that uh, Wake has 919 yards on 104 pass attempts. So 68 completions. Wake has 384 yards on 107 rushing attempts. So they have three more rush attempts and pass attempts and 3.6 yards a carry. But if you take out the 212 yards against VMI, which is also 100 of Turner's 149 rushing yards on the season, that comes out to 172 yards on 66 carries, which is 2.6 yards a carry the last two games. And they rush for 21 yards on 28 carries against Liberty. And they go against a stout Clemson defense that gives up 70 rushing yards a game in total. So what? how do we solve this running game issue for Wake Forest? Yeah, I mean, it. it it's not just the offensive line. Uh, it's In football, it's never just one thing or one reason. Um, uh, the, I, I joked with some people going into the press conference. This isn't how I actually worded it, but – you know, I, I joked with people that the first question to Clawson was going to be, if you can't run the ball against Liberty in their defensive front, how in the blank do you expect to run the ball against Clemson? Um, I had a little more tact than that, but in, in actually asking the question, but it's, it's basically, that's, that's the feeling. Um, you know, not taking anything away from Liberty's defensive line. Like they, they talk the talk and, and walk the walk basically. And you have to respect that to a degree, but man, Liberty's defensive front is not nearly as talented as having guys like Brian Brissy, Tyler Davis, uh, Ruka Horaho. Um, Xavier Thomas might even play in this game. Like he was hurt and fall in the camp and, the the initial timeline I remember seeing it was like the earliest he could be back was Wake Forest. And sure enough, he might be back for Wake Forest. Uh, we'll have to see on Saturday. Clemson always uh, releases a like, list of who's available, which is fantastic. Um, if you're Wake, you have to expect that all of those guys are playing. Like you have to plan around. They're going to have their complete assortment of guys up front. Um I talked to Michael Jurgens on Wednesday morning and, and he said something interesting that I kind of hadn't thought of yet. Uh, he pointed out that sometimes with the RPO game, you'll have a, a well-blocked play where if the running back takes it or if Sam pulls it and runs, it'll be a good chunk running play. But sometimes the, the you know, it's, it's an RPO. The pass is one of those three options. And if the pass is there, that's where the ball needs to go. Like if A.T. Perry is breaking down the down the seam, that's where the ball has to go. So maybe that's maybe that's an offensive lineman thinking that things aren't as bad as they appear. Uh, I tend to think that Jurgens is pretty honest, and uh, I trust him when he says sometimes the holes are there, but it winds up being a pass play. Um. The bottom line is the the startling point it, here is 
Wake's offense, when you look at Wake's offense and what they did last year overall, it was great. Mm-hmm. They did not run the ball in the last five games very well. They actually ran it pretty poorly. They had, I think, one game with maybe one rush of more than 20 yards. They just did not create explosives in the running game. When you can't create explosives in the running game, you're a lot easier to cover on the outside. The safeties start backing up. All of a sudden, uh, A.T. Perry has their safety help over the top. Donovan Green, the same thing. Um, you're you're able to play a lot differently when a team's best run against you is only going to be for seven or eight yards. So they've got to fix that. Uh, they're, they're, the offense – the offense will still function. The offense has talent. Like you're, you're gonna be able to move the ball to a degree. Maybe not this week. Maybe not against NC State, but against most teams on the on your schedule. If you're one dimensional, but the one dimension that you have is passing the ball, you're still gonna score points. You're still gonna move the ball somewhat. But in order to to play teams like Clemson, in order to play teams like State, and put up numbers offensively, you have to be balanced. There's no other way around it. You just you have to be. It's this this is not 2016 when Nathan Peterman can go out and throw the ball 60 times and beat Clemson. I think that game was 43-42 or 42-41, something like that. I, I did the I did some number number research earlier this week, where um, it's it's too convoluted of a stat. Just just go to my Twitter and go back on Monday. It's in there. Um, but yeah, they've got to be balanced. So they've got to they've got to figure out something. And that is such a tall task because Wake never runs the ball against Clemson. Yeah. It's just don't. so hard. That's what I was going to say too. I was uh looking at the 2021 stats and I know sacks get I hate how the NCAA has the sacks yards as rushing yards. It makes no sense. It should just be a separate category. It shouldn't even be passing yards. Just it's Passing, rushing, total yards. And you just take sacks away with the total yards. That's it. That's yeah. how simple it should be. So See, they, I think it should I think it should come out of passing yards. Well, that's fine. I'm perfectly fine. It's a pass yards. play. Yeah, but rushing yards just makes no damn sense. Like no. at all. And so like Wake Forest had 36 rushing yards last year against Clemson. But again, it says Hartman had 14 carries for negative 37 yards. I don't know how many of those were keepers, but I don't think he was sacked 14 times. He was sacked a lot because David Hale tweeted a great point last year in the game that uh, Hartman was sacked four times and 10 of the first 13 plays went for a loss or no game in the first quarter. So yeah. four sacks and 10 of the first 13 plays were zero yards or negative yards. Yeah, I took a lot of flack from Wake fans in that first quarter. It's, you remember so many more of the negative things than the positive things. But As I pointed out, I understand. I, I pointed out, like, it, it, you know, this was supposed to be a different story and it looks the exact same. Yeah. Uh, and then I got proved wrong. Like, Wake moved the ball in the second and third quarters of that game. They just shot themselves in the foot with turnovers. That was kind of a two part, two part game there with. Wake failed miserably. Wake figured out and moved the ball. They just couldn't sustain it. And uh, then when they did sustain it, they had had turnovers that were just uncharacteristic. But Yeah, I mean, they from the box score, like I remember watching the game, we've talked about before on one of our episodes, but first downs, they had one less than Clemson. Third down efficiency, they were 8 of 17 and 101 on fourth down. So 50% 
combined, 75 total plays to Clemson's 74. And But what did them in was those key turnovers because they had 370 yards passing. Yes. I mean, that's uh, that's moving the ball against a team that's always in the college ball playoff. And But, again, the 48-27 score just doesn't do it justice because of the turnovers and where they took place and certain plays that happened. And that's – field position flips the whole script, and that's yep. what you see in the box score. And, uh, I mean, I think my key – I wrote down for my keys of the game, which you're going to laugh because you know my opinion on DJ. But I said let DJ – beat you with his arm rather than Jordan Shipley beat you with his legs. Cause last year also Clemson. Jordan Shipley's the former Texas receiver. Will Shipley. Will Shipley. Sorry. What the hell? Jesus. Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Will Shipley. I don't know why I wrote down Jordan Shipley. Will Shipley. I mean, he's stout. He's unbelievable. And Clemson also last year ran for over 300 yards against Wake Forest. And yeah, I need to go back and double check. I think DJU threw two passes in the second half last year. Yeah, it's, that doesn't... it's some tiny number that is embarrassing, no matter how small it is. He was uh, 11 of 19 total. So, like, yeah. he was, I mean, they basically they basically only asked him to do minimal things. And one of the things they asked of him, I don't even know if they asked this of him, but the, the key play in the game in the first quarter that really turned it into a game where Wake had to chase Clemson was Wake had DJ tackled for a sack twice, like wrapped up didn't get him to the ground and he spins out and runs around and then chucks it deep. And it's like a 50 or 60 yard play that sets up a touchdown. I mean, you know, the hypotheticals are for losers, but you'd like to go back and see, I think it was miles Fox and Rondell Bothroyd, which is just a twist of the knife. Cause those are two of your best defensive linemen last year and they can't bring him down. Uh, you'd like to go back and see if they do bring him down, how much of a different game is it? How much of a different feeling is it if it's still three, nothing instead of 10, nothing in the first quarter? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, DJ, I think he is a glorified game manager. I know you laugh at that, but I really, I truly do. I think that he Clemson can win so many games and have won so many games based off of their run game and their defense. And then if he gets going, then that just takes him to an extra level. He's just inconsistent at times to where I think that Wake can, Wake can hold their own and Wake can be competitive if they establish the run game one way or the other. Like Hartman's got to be a factor or something like you got to, there's got to be a niche, a wrinkle that we haven't seen to where it opens up something and you're not going to win the trenches against Clemson because hate to break it to wake fans. Cause I'm also a Duke fan, but like five stars are going to outweigh like three stars in the trenches for the most part, Texas A&M and app state different because Jimbo Fisher runs an outdated offense like Cutcliffe did at Duke and never made adjustments. So it's easy to win the trenches when you know what plays are coming. But Clemson does a good job being flexible in the trenches. And I think if Wade can have a couple gashing plays of just wrinkle, just a wrinkle bit to gash to make them second guess when is Hartman going to hand it, pull it, or throw it, if they have a gash or two, that can get Clemson off balance to where they can open up the field. But if that doesn't happen, and that's a repeat of last year's rushing performance and last week's or this whole season's rushing performance, I could see I could see Wake Forest getting behind like 
quickly, like two scores, not like 14 nothing, maybe 10 nothing. But then it's relying on Hartman's arm. Can A.T. Perry be up and downfield? And that'll be something to look out for, I think. Yeah, it's uh, – you. when you evaluate this game, you, you come away with some main points. Um, you're you're going to laugh. I do think they need to let DJ beat them with his arm. Uh, I, I mean, you, you cannot let Will Shipley get loose on you. They'll put up <laughs> yards in a hurry. Uh, and he won't be tackled until he reaches the end zone. Um, I also think that has something to do with Clemson's wide receivers. I think that's something we don't talk enough about is a good point. You know, Deshaun Watson got to throw to some uh, before that Taj Boyd got to throw to first round picks. Deshaun Watson got to throw to first round picks. Hunter Renfro wasn't a first round pick, but if you go back and redo that draft, is he first or second round pick? Probably. Uh, and then Trevor Lawrence got to throw the first round. I mean, you know, uh, Justin Ross and his situation negated him from being a first round pick, but he was bound for that. Oh, and yeah. T. Higgins was a good pick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you've got all these pros, the receiver that have come through there. And, you know, Bo Collins, Joseph Ngata, um, a Jew, a Jew, maybe not there anymore. I might be mixing up some names. Uh, I think the well kind of dried up a little bit at receiver. And I think that's something that, you know, DJ took a lot of criticism last year and a lot of it was warranted. Like he was throwing grounders to open receivers and that has nothing to do with the receivers. Mm -hmm. But I also think there's some truth in the element that, you know, the, the three previous quarterbacks before him uh, throw in Kelly Bryant, if you want and make it four, they were all throwing to some really good and talented receivers that could go win battles and win games for you. Um, with my experience covering Wake and covering the, the covering the receivers that have come through here, like I know that that makes a difference. I know that John Wolford was a pretty decent quarterback his first two years at Wake. He got bludgeoned because he was behind a bad offensive line and because he didn't have receivers that could get open. Once the offensive line improved in front of him, once he got guys on the outside that could make plays, boom, he's a he's an all ACC quarterback. So that that's where I look at it and, and just see like, yeah, I, I want to take my chances uh, whether I can cover their receivers one on one on the outside, drop some safeties into the box uh, to keep Clemson from running it. That's where that's where my defensive game plan will be. I mean, Brad Lambert makes a lot more money and has probably forgotten more defensive football than I know. But that's what I think the the recipe would be for Wake Forest defensively. Yeah, I mean, you said it. You brought up a great point with the wide receivers. Uh, the Georgia Tech week one opener, they dropped some very catchable balls for ACC players, let alone Clemson guys. And I think the broadcast even pointed that out. Like DJ is inaccurate at times and can overthrow or underthrow at times. But when he puts on the dot, like you have to catch him, especially a guy that yeah. you can say his confidence ever since he's been QB one has just been up and down, up and down. And if you're not going to bail him out on some routine catches, then it's going to make his confidence go down. And then you're going to see more underthrows or overthrows. And that was another thing I wrote for a key to the game was Wake Forest to win 50-50 balls on offense and defense because 
Clemson's going to take shots. DJ, one thing he has is a live arm. He doesn't know where it's going. He's like Henry Rowan Gardner sometimes, or he just rears back and throws it. But that was such a bad movie. Stop. No, it was not. It was not. That's a great movie. It gives false hope to little kids everywhere that break their arm. Well, and I've never, that was never me. I did have a feeling of like, you know, maybe I could break my arm and then I could be pitching for the Cubs. Could you imagine a real 11-year-old in a major league clubhouse? <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's hilarious to even think about. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I put 50-50 balls on offense and defense because one thing that Clemson gives up too, they give up some chunk passing plays. I mean, Louisiana Tech lost 48-20, and they had six rushing yards total. They had 311 passing yards. So if Louisiana Tech can throw for 300 against Clemson, I don't even care if it's garbage time because Clemson's twos are better than Louisiana Tech's ones. So if they can move the ball, then I think Sam Hartman, who I think is still the AC's best QB, and A.T. Perry and the wide receiving core is top tier in the ACC. I think that Wake's going to have shots. They just have to come down with them point blank. It's going to be, you know, I hesitate to put all of this on one game, but this is this is potentially a program-defining game for Wake Forest. Uh, this is this is good, uh, and on this on the same wavelength. I mean, we need to see if as the as the magic faded from Clemson, is it going to be year two of you know Clemson's really good. Clemson's the most talented team in the ACC, but they've still got some you know chinks in the armor and they're going to lose a couple games and the ACC is going to be without a CFB team for the second time um on the wake side of things i mean you've you've proven that you're good you've proven that you could win the Atlantic Division but you won the Atlantic Division without beating Clemson yeah. and there's a to a degree, I I have not confirmed on the record that this is the feeling of anybody in Wake's room, uh, Wake's program that feels this way. But it's just like it, it felt it 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 felt it felt kind of hollow that Clemson had this stranglehold on the ACC. Wake finally wrestles the division crown away from them, but they still lose that game. Uh, this is a chance to kind of prove that last year you know that it wasn't a fluke um that's the wrong word like we know last year wasn't a fluke but it's just the feeling of you won the ACC and you took the crown without actually beating the Kings like you you didn't slay that dragon yet you didn't slay the tiger uh is the stupid you know pun that you can use about it but but it's true so well, you know, this, this is your chance to do it. As we uh, finish up here, because we only have a couple minutes left, Connor, the spread is Clemson minus seven, the over-under is 55 and a half. Uh, a lot of people, I think I saw like 75 or north of 75% of the money's on Clemson minus seven after Wake's uh, performance against Liberty and then Clemson being Clemson and priority factor in last year's outcome too what is your biggest key i know you've already talked about several keys so you can repeat one it's fine what's your biggest key for wake force to basically pull an upset and against clemson 
and then that puts them in the sole lead of the Atlantic early on in the season. It's got to be to to kind of tie some things I've talked about together. It's got to be sustained success on offense. Um, Jurgens and I talked about that uh, Wednesday morning. It was just you go back and look at the cut ups from last year. Wake had some success. Like there's some cut ups that Wake is has a really good offensive play. It just didn't last for a sustained amount of time. Uh, if they're able to stay consistent, if they're able to be healthy, um, the where's Waldo that I play on Twitter with who's available and who's suited up for Wake Forest before games is going to be invaluable uh, Saturday morning. But if, if they can continuously move the ball, I think Wake's off Wake's defense has improved to the point where I don't think they're going to get gashed for whatever it was last year, like 400 yards on the ground. I don't think that happens. Uh, if DJU comes out and throws for 400 to beat you, then, you know, tip your cap, uh, move on, and, and hope the same scenario plays out where you can still win the Atlantic even with a loss to Clemson. Um, but I do think that it comes down to whether Wake's offense can be successful against Clemson's defense. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as you there. I think that uh, Wake Forest's chance to win this game go solely on if they rush for over 100 yards and Clemson rushes for less than 200 yards. Like, I think you that's one way how you can win the line of scrimmage in the trenches is you finally rushed for over 100 yards against an FBS opponent and you hold a team that almost ran for 400 yards to less than half of that and let DJ – DJ throws for 350 and three or four scores and they Clemson wins, you just tip your cap. We only have probably about 30 seconds left here. Closing remarks. What's your final prediction for Clemson and Wake? Oh man, I don't know. I the the journalist in me just wants to see a good game and a good story. I mean, that's all. That's all we ever. I, yeah. I could not care to. I could not care less about who actually wins these games. I just want the game to be close. Like, there's nothing worse than going into a game and thinking it's going to be close and winding up writing about sixty-three to three. Uh, that type of stuff is just the worst. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm torn between what I want to bet right now, you know, me betting. But uh I I hope Clint, I hope Wake wins because that'd be huge for the state of North Carolina and I can talk trash about Clemson even more. And they go four and oh, and then that will lead us into episode seventeen of next week's Big J and Little J show as they face off against Florida State. Yeah, they'll uh they got another big one after this. I mean, there's no looking ahead to that one, but that's another big one. Well, Connor, I think I speak for all of us when I say we'll see you then. <laughs>